What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to a brand new episode of Double Move Sports. As always, I am Steph, and I'm here with my best friend, Alex. Say what's up to the people. Hey, everyone. Hyped to be back. we got a great show for you today. We're talking wide receivers. Uh, we got a lot of teams to cover today, and we got some great takes, uh, some hot takes, and there's a lot of free agents and rookies available this year, so it's going to be a really good one. Absolutely, and for those who are new to the show, Double Move Sports, we like to think of that as a perfect mix between fantasy and real football. So we talk about a ton of different topics. Make sure you go follow us on Twitter and Instagram, putting out a ton of content, engaging with you guys on there. And we have a very special announcement to make. Double Move Sports has partnered with Jackson Kruger Sports. A lot of you may know him from his film breakdowns and film reviews on YouTube. Highly recommend checking him out if you haven't heard of him. Uh, but we'll be partnering with him. So we'll be putting out our videos on his channel. For those of you who are watching this on Jackson's Kru Jackson Kruger's channel, welcome to the show. We're extremely hyped to have you guys on. And Alex, I, I think we're ready to just jump into it here. Yeah, let's do it. We uh, we got some great receivers to break down today. But one last thing on my end before we, before we jump into it. I know you kind of gave us an intro. I don't want to be too long-winded. But here at Double Move Sports, we talk a lot about football. And when we do, we always think about it from a fantasy football perspective. And vice versa, especially in the season. When we're talking about fantasy football, we like to talk about it just from a general NFL uh, perspective and kind of talk about those implications as well for teams and their outlook trying to get a Super Bowl. So, Steph, I mean, I'm excited. I'm ready to jump into it. Let's kick it off. So, guys, the way we do this, and we've done this for both quarterbacks and running backs. Now, obviously, today we're talking about wide receivers. And what we do is break every team in the NFL down into one of three tiers. Either one, uh, there is a clear wide receiver one and clear wide receiver two. Uh, that's the first tier. The second tier is a question mark at wide receiver one or a question mark at wide receiver two. So these teams that, you know, maybe they have a guy who's a free agent that they're likely to resign, but could go another way. Uh, maybe they have some tough decisions to make cap wise and contract wise. So maybe there's a question mark there. Maybe it's a team that's kind of on the edge. And we'll talk about some of those as we go through this. And then the last two are teams that absolutely do not have a clear wide receiver one or clear wide receiver two. We're really going to spend some time breaking those, breaking down those teams, their cap situations, what moves they're going to make, whether it's free agency or the draft. So we're breaking it down here by team. But first, let's talk about our free agent pool here. And, and something pretty interesting about this class this year going into 2020 is the free agent pool is, is pretty shallow. There's a huge drop-off after about the first three or four guys here. We have A.J. Green, uh, Amari Cooper, Emmanuel Sanders, Robbie Anderson, Brashad Perriman, Taylor Gabriel, Demarcus Robinson, Randall Cobb, Alan Lazard, the list goes on and on. But, you know, really the, the top guys are, are uh, not plentiful, to say the least. Alex, anything to add on those free agents? Yeah, you said it best. There's a really big drop off. I mean, you got AJ Green, who we'll talk about later, but we expect him. I expect him to change teams. You got Amari Cooper, who's kind of like could easily be brought back to Dallas before he even hits the open market. And Robbie Anderson are, are kind of the young guys. And then you got Emmanuel Sanders, who's getting older, and then it really does drop off. So really interesting pool. A couple of guys to keep in mind are, I mean, I don't know how much we'll talk about him today, but Antonio Brown, uh, Des oh, yeah. Bryant and Josh Gordon. Josh Gordon's only 29, Des Bryant's 31, and Antonio Brown is 31. So all those guys are younger than A.J. Green. A.J. Green's 31 as well. So I know they haven't been uh, in the league uh, here at least in the 2019 season, but they're all guys who always have rumors around them uh, getting back into the league. So um, if those guys do end up panning out and playing in 2020, I think the class could get a little bit deeper, but there's so many question marks and so many risks you take um, on and off the field with some of those guys. Maybe it's injury related with a guy like uh, Des Bryant that you just don't know if teams are really going to pay top dollar for him. So a couple extra guys there to keep in mind. And what's so funny is that on the opposite end of the spectrum, the draft pool is incredibly deep. This is one of maybe the best. I've, I've seen a lot of beat reports, a lot of headlines coming out from the mainstream outlets saying this could be one of the greatest receiving classes of all time. Some of the names here, and we'll talk about these guys and some different fits and landing spots. Jerry Judy, C.D. Lamb, uh, Henry Ruggs, Justin Jefferson, T. Higgins. The list goes on and on. There's a couple deeper guys that I really uh, want to break down. For, for some specific landing spots here as we go through it. 
But let's go into the first tier here. So these are the teams that have stalwart wide receiver ones and twos. So here you can think of, um, you know, a team like the Buccaneers, right? They have Mike Evans and Chris Godwin or the Rams, right? They have Cooper Cup, Robert Woods and Brandon Cooks. You know, regardless of how their performance was last year, those are still going to be their wide receivers. They don't have a ton of cap space. They can't make moves. There's no question. Those are going to be the same guys. Uh, And then there's some situations like, for example, the Chiefs, right? They have Tyreek Hill. And then maybe there might be a question mark at the wide receiver two spot. But we're looking at as, you know, is there a guy who can immediately step into that too? And for the Chiefs, if it's not Sammy Watkins with that huge cap, they may end up moving away from him. Um, they're paying him a ton. I believe it's $14 million. Uh, Mikko Hardman would, would instantly step into that wide receiver two role. So we're leaving them in that top tier here. But let's move on to the next one. So these are teams that are probably going to remain the same, um, but could have a new wide receiver one or two in 2020. There are seven teams in this tier. We have the Bills, the Patriots, the Ravens, the Jaguars, the Redskins, the Vikings, and the Bengals. So some of these are question marks due to trade rumors. Um, You know, again, maybe free agency, maybe they draft a guy, but Alex, are there any specific teams here that we need to break down maybe a step further? I actually think there's several I'd love to talk about um, in this tier. I I think the bills are are gonna bring in another receiver. I I don't know if it's necessarily um, a wide receiver one above John Brown, but I think they do pick up another guy on the outside. Uh, to help out Josh Allen, maybe get a big body target. Um, I want to talk about the Pats. I think there's a lot of question marks about their weapons. We heard, you know, a lot of rumors that Brady wasn't too happy about the kind of the team they've surrounded them with. I think the Ravens are good candidates to bring in another guy. And then the Bengals are interesting as well, especially if AJ Green does leave. So uh, on my end, I think the Bills, the Pats, the Ravens, and the Bengals are going to bring in a receiver. Um, I, I think the Bengals will draft a guy. I think the Ravens might actually be a good um, team that could be targeting a guy like Alshon Jeffrey. That's a really interesting name for Baltimore. And then I think the Ooh. Pats and the Bills have to bring someone in. Um, just very different quarterback situations, but the Bills need to give Josh Allen some more help, and the Pats need to give Brady help if they want to get him back. So, Steph, any thoughts on those teams I just threw out? Any names you'd like to see uh, go to maybe the Bills or the Pats or the Ravens? Yeah, so I, I love the the AJ Green um, take, and I, I would like to see him on another team personally, but I actually don't think he leaves. I, I put out a mm-hmm. poll earlier today on Twitter. Some of those top landing spots, we were getting votes for you know the Raiders, the Packers. Um, I believe the Patriots were another one, but I actually think he's going to stay in Cincinnati. I, I think that... You know, the Bengals have shown, you know, hey, we're not going to, you know, we're not going to cut you. We want to resign you. And with that hype with Joe Burrow coming to town and, you know, they have a decent amount of, of cap space, I believe. I'm going to spot check myself real quickly here. Uh, they're 17th, so maybe not a ton to work with. But regardless, I actually think uh, the Bengals are going to put an offer in front of him. It's going to be a competitive offer. They want to keep A.J. Green. And if he if he doesn't feel burned by the team, like if things have gone smoothly over this, this tenure where he hasn't been playing, I think he could stick with them. Um, and I think that offense is one that could be very interesting for fantasy with Joe Mixon, obviously Joe Burrow. Um, Tyler Boyd had a really good 2019 season. So there's some interesting moves on the Bengals here. Uh, but let's go ahead and move over to the last tier here, the one where these teams desperately need a wide receiver. They have to make a move. And, and for fantasy, these probably aren't going to be the same guys. And there are 10 teams in this tier. Just from a high-level overview, I'm just going to read through them, and then we'll go back through one by one. So we have the Jets, the Colts, the Raiders, the Cowboys, the Eagles, the Packers, the Broncos, the Saints, the Niners, and the Cardinals. So let's start at the top here at the Jets. Alex, take us through their situation and a move that you would like to make them see. The Jets are interesting. They've got $52 million in cap space. They've got some flexibility because Darnold is on his rookie deal. Their draft capital is decent as well. They've got the 11th overall pick, a mid-second rounder, two picks early in the third round. So they've got options here, and they definitely are going to bring in a wide receiver. Um, I don't think uh, Robbie Anderson comes back personally. He already came out and said, hey, I'm not giving the Jets a hometown discount. Anytime your number one wide receiver is coming out and saying stuff like that, it's probably not going to mean very much uh, for their ability (laughs) to get him back. It sounds like his loyalty is kind of gone at this point. Maybe after uh, the experience he had last year with some backup and third-string quarterbacks, he's just ready to go where the money is. So I think Robbie Anderson does leave, 
And at that point, I think it makes sense for the Jets to actually draft a wide receiver. I don't know if that comes on day one or day two. With that 11th pick, they could pick up Jerry Judy or C.D. Lamb, which would obviously be awesome for them. Uh, put one of those guys on the outside with, with Jamison Crowder running underneath. Like You've got a real start of a core there uh, with Sam Darnold at quarterback. So I think that's an option. I'm not sold that they're going to do it, though. They've got a lot of holes to fill on the defensive side of the ball as well. So I think they could pick up a guy like Pittman or Justin Jefferson in round two. Those are guys that um, are, are very solid and could blossom into a really good wide receiver. We've seen several wide receivers over the past few years that are day two picks pan out. We saw Debo Samuel in round two this past year. Um, Terry McLaurin, I believe, went in round three, and those guys had big yeah. impacts in their rookie season. So I think the Jets probably wait until day two of the draft and pick up a rookie. And I could see him going after a smaller name on the free agent list as well, maybe a guy that's going to um, be a little bit cheaper, a young guy they can uh, – you know, throw some money their way and see if they they are uh, going to develop into a true wide receiver one or two, maybe like a Demarcus Robinson type guy. So, Steph, tell me what you think about those takes. Yeah, I, I think you're spot on. I'm if if they can't re-sign Robbie, then you know, no question, I would go straight to the draft. They have 52 million in cap space, which is 11th, but with just how shallow, you know, this this free agent class is I don't think there's a ton of room for them to go out and sign a big name maybe they get a more you know role player type of guy maybe they have Demarcus Robinson maybe like a kind of a lesser known field stretcher that could come in to kind of replace that Robbie Anderson role but I love Henry Ruggs for them uh, he's the the field stretcher he's the Tyreek Hill comp and a lot of people are saying that he has a more polished route tree than Tyreek Hill did coming out of college with the same level of speed. Um, so I love that as a pick for them. That would be a great fit and kind of take over that Robbie Anderson role. But I do think there is a chance that, that Robbie Anderson does stay. So let's move over to the Colts here. There's, you know, some question marks after T.Y. Hilton and T.Y. Hilton himself has been hit with the injury bug. The Colts ha are fourth in the NFL in cap space at 80 million and they have some decent draft capital. They have a early first round pick at the, the 113 spot. They have two second round picks and a early third at the 311. I love the prospect of them taking a second round wide receiver to come in with, uh, you know, guys like Funchess hitting the road. He's a free agent. Chester Rogers is a free agent. They still have Paris Campbell in that wide receiver room, but grabbing a guy like Justin Jefferson out of LSU. Uh, I like LaVisca Chenault as a guy who could play a role for them, a big body slot wide receiver that could, could, uh, you know, do a lot for whether it's Jacoby Brissett or another quarterback that they bring in. He'll certainly help. Uh, and then T Higgins is another one I like for them. But Alex, do you think, you know, you're, you're the Colts Homer. What do you think they right. do here? They have all that cap space. They could go sign a big name if they wanted to. I'll tell you what, sitting here as a Colts fan over the past probably two seasons, it's been incredibly frustrating. I, I, I trust Chris Ballard. His method has worked. And here we are with a really solid team, a ton of cap space and a ton of picks. But at some point you got to say, Hey, it's our time and go for it. And I really hope Chris Ballard, Ballard doesn't sit on this cap space uh, in this draft capital this year without trying to use this championship window. I think if they bring in an upgrade to Jacoby Brissett, that's um, the number one thing that's going to help the Colts contend this year. And they have to bring in some weapons at the wide receiver position. They just have to. We saw Jacoby get put in a really unfair situation last year with, you know, <laughs> Chester Rogers being his number two receiver, Zach Pascal being his number one. Um, with some of the injuries and just some of the shallow depth on that Colts team. So I think they have to address the receiver position in the offseason, and I think they're going to do it in a variety of ways. I think they're players for Amari Cooper if he hits the open market. I think they're players for A.J. Green if he hits the open market. Um, and I'd love to see him take a guy with that number 13 pick. I really would. I'd love to see Jerry Judy in a Colts uniform, uh, C.D. Lamb. But I do like some of those uh, day two picks as well. I think Chenault's really interesting. A big body guy. We see, you know, Devin Funches only played one game for the Colts last year before his injury, but he's gone as a free agent. Um, Eric Ebron is going to leave as a free agent. So really, your only red zone threats right now are... I guess Jack Doyle and Zach Pascal. So you really want to go get a big body guy. I think that could make sense, but I think they're going to do this in a variety of ways. And I would not be surprised to see them bring in a free agent. Maybe it's one of the top tier guys. Maybe it's not, maybe it's a guy in the middle. Um, but then I think they're going to draft um, some guys at their receiver position as well. So I'm really excited to see what they do at the position. It's a position of need and it's one of my favorite positions on the football field. So it's going to be really fun to see if we can bring in some playmakers. Maybe it's for Jacoby Brissett. Maybe it's for another quarterback. We'll see. 
There's two free agent names I want to throw out there. They're they're kind of gross, but I, I just oh, want to see what your your perception is on them. What do you think about a 33 year old Emmanuel Sanders? I'm not really a fan of that move. I think they're gonna to have to pay him a little bit more money than some of these other guys. And I just I, he had some flashes last year. He had some huge he games. Um, he's just getting older though, and this is a Colts team that's pretty young. And you know, I just don't know unless you're gonna bring in Emmanuel Sanders and really sell out with some of that other cap space and, and sign veterans on defense and, and bring in guys that are gonna make an impact day one in the draft. I just don't know what sense it makes to bring in Emmanuel Sanders. I would much rather go after a guy, you know, like a like a Robbie Anderson. Or, or this, I mean, I don't really believe in Brashad Perriman's talent that much, but if the money is similar, I'd much rather sign a guy like Brashad Perriman. You know, he That's was fair. a first-round draft pick just a few years ago. I believe he's 26 years old, and he showed some real signs last year that he can get it done um, when he was running uh, as the number one receiver for the Bucks. So I would much rather get a guy like that um, than a guy like Emmanuel Sanders. I'm not hating on Emmanuel Sanders' talent at all. I think he's going to have a big role for a contender next year. I actually have him uh, for some of these teams we're going to talk about as a top target, but I just don't know if it makes sense for the Colts. So throwing out another name, and, and I, I get, totally get your point on Sanders. You know, I don't know. That Colts offense is kind of rebuilding, but I feel like they're kind of in win-now mode. Like, if, like you were saying, like if Ballard wants to go all in, I feel like he could get them there. They're like right at, you know, they just need to get over that hump. I thought Sanders would it's, be a guy that could give a small veteran deal to come in, bring some leadership to that locker room. So that's why I threw him out there. Yeah, but I want to throw another and, one. And, yeah, in, yeah. The NFL, in the NFL, it's just so hard to keep the status quo for several years in a row. Like we look at the Rams this past year. They're a perfect example. They are taking the league by storm. Uh, the second season of this incredible Sean McVay offense – they make it to the Super Bowl. And then last year, they just come out, and it's a total dud. And they didn't have, like, an insane amount of turnover. I know their their line got worse significantly on offense, but the playmakers are the same. A lot of those pieces on defense are the same. It's just so hard to keep the status quo for several seasons in a row in the NFL. So if you're the Colts, you can't just say, hey, we're going to keep this nucleus together um, and, you know, try to build it one piece at a time and build it out. At some point, you got to put the pedal to the metal. So enough on the Colts. We can go ahead and move on now. just wanted to throw that last point out there. I love it. I love it. There's certainly a lot of options that, that they could go with that could all pan out. So the next one here. Talking about the Raiders right now, they have Tyrell Williams, Hunter Renfro, and I believe Zay Jones is a free agent. He's still there as well. Uh, they have 50 million in cap space, which is about middle. They're 15th in the NFL, but they have a ton of of draft capital. They have the 12th overall pick, the 19th overall pick. They have three third round picks, so they could wait and get a wide receiver. We talk about how deep this wide receiver draft class is. They could pick up a fantastic talent at the you know 316 if they wanted to and kind of wait for for the draft to come to them i also love jerry judy as a first round pick for them here give them a true wide receiver one you know the the comp for judy has been Devonte adams and that's what the raiders need right like this death by a thousand cuts offense that they run the gruden grinders you know handing it off to, to josh jacobs on first and second down and then being efficient on third down with with Derek Carr, or maybe somebody else that they bring in. That's another question mark. But uh, what do you think the Raiders do here? They really need a wide receiver one that can take over, uh, especially in in the red zone and deep downfield. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they are locked in for a wide receiver in the offseason. I think they actually have a very similar situation to the Colts. They have cap space. They have draft capital, and they have a glaring need at wide receiver. And it's interesting you say Jerry Judy was a comp to Devontae Adams. I know Judy is a lot smaller. Um, so I, I could see them bringing in a guy like Jerry Judy, though. I mean, I, I think of him kind of like a Stephon Diggs, very polished routes, very smooth, has got some speed. And I think they have a Antonio Brown-sized hole in that offense uh, at that wide receiver one spot. So I think the Raiders are in play for the top tier guys. I think Tyrell Williams is a solid wide receiver two in the NFL. He's not a wide receiver one. Um, Hunter Renfro is a great slot guy. We saw him come on strong last year. Darren Waller's great underneath. But I think they could go out and be a player for some of these top names. I think I'm, I'm concerned as a Colts fan at, at the 13th overall pick that the Raiders are going to take our guy at 12th uh, if it's going to be a wide receiver. I think they're in play for Judy. I think they're in play for CeeDee Lamb. Um, and I also think they're in play for some of these free agents. Maybe they'll go out and get an A.J. Green uh, to, to headline Las Vegas. Maybe they ha, – wouldn't this be interesting? They go out and sign Amari Cooper back. 
Um, that would be the swindle <laughs> of the century. Getting no. getting one of these first round, getting a first round pick from no. the Cowboys, giving them a little loan, a season and a half of Amari Cooper, and getting them right back. That would be really interesting. I don't even know if he'd be interested in going back, but I think they are in a desperate need for a number one wide receiver, um, and it's going to come. So I don't necessarily think they're in play for a guy like Robbie Anderson. He's too similar to Tyrell Williams in my mind. But I do think whether it's A.J. Green, Amari Cooper is a bit of a stretch, but but maybe that number 12 pick, they're going to get a wide receiver. And I think it's going to be a top-tier guy that they want to um, have as their wide receiver one for for now and into the future. It feels like uh, Tyrell Williams could be a serviceable two. Um, Hunter Renfro had his his moments. He's a, you know, re- receiving, uh, you know, receptions monster uh, <laughs> down there in the slot. Um, you know, I want to play a little what-if scenario with you alex you know the oakland raiders we saw them as potentially a wild card contender for a the little vegas bit of raiders the, <laughs> the the now vegas raiders my apologies yes. uh but if they had had antonio brown there you know they went seven and nine in the regular season they're fighting in a tough division with the chiefs um you know where do you think they could have been if antonio brown would have panned out for them you think they would I'll have gone over the hunt and been in the wild card uh, race? Yeah, I'll tell you. My fantasy team certainly would have finished higher, um, but <laughs> I think they would have been right there. I mean, given the circumstances they were in, AB or AB is gone before the first game. One of their first round picks, Jonathan Abram. If you watched Hard Knocks, you saw how how well he was playing in, in camp, and then even in that first game of the regular season against Denver, he had a really strong game. He goes out after the first game for the season. So you look at those two things combined and then, you know, just how well the Raiders really came together and truly grinded for the regular season. And you got to think they would have made a run. They were seven and nine. They're just a couple of games after that wild card spot. I really do think they're a wide receiver one away from being a contender. I think Derek Carr's fine. I think he's a good enough quarterback to at least get them into the playoffs. I don't know if he's a Super Bowl type guy. There's always the rumors about Derek Carr. Um, getting traded or then bringing in competition or something like that. But just with the draft class they had last year on both sides of the ball, we saw Josh Jacobs be awesome. Hunter Renfro, uh, we just mentioned. Then on the defensive side, Cleveland Farrell had a decent rookie season. He didn't quite live up to that uh, number four overall pick in year one. But then Max Crosby on the other side for the pass rush was incredible. Uh, we just mentioned Jonathan yeah. Abram. He's going to be back at safety this year. They have two more first-round picks and, and three picks in the third round. So the Raiders, I mean, watch out for the Raiders. If they go out and sign a top-wide receiver and, and spend some of that money on maybe some holes on the line or the defensive side of the ball, and then they use this draft capital well, they are going to be a force next season. So I think they would have – I think they probably would have finished 8-8 eight and eight or 9-7 and seven last year. I think they would have been right on the cusp um, of that wild-card spot. But – Maybe things would have been a lot different if they would have gotten in the playoffs instead of the Titans. So you can always play the what-if game. But, um, but yeah, I, I think that void is real, and I think that is definitely one of the reasons that their offense wasn't really able to open up to its full potential in 2019. Yeah, the Raiders might see that uh, Gruden signing finally pay off here in, in 2020, maybe 2021, uh, after they had a little bit of time to grow. But let's move over here to the Cowboys our favorite team, Alex. <laughs> they have uh, a free agent, Amari Cooper. They have a returning Michael Gallup, who played fantastic in 2019. And they have a free agent, Randall Cobb. They also have kind of, uh, you know, next to that is is a, I believe, free agent, uh, Jason Witten. There's a couple other big free agents. Of free course, agent, you know, Tavon Dak. Austin. Tavon Austin, thank you. Uh, there's Dak and then Byron Jones. And they have a lot of needs on defense. They have the fifth most cap space in the NFL at 74 million. They have a uh, you know middle middle picks in the first, second, and third rounds. So they could draft a guy as well if they wanted to. I'm of the mindset that they resign everybody. Um, I know it's going to be tricky with the Dak situation. I think Dak is going to cave. I think he wants to be in Dallas and. You know, if they can get them to a reasonable dollar amount, I think they'll be able to re-sign everybody. Um, maybe they have to let Jones walk. They do have a lot of needs to address on the defensive side, which is where I think they'll end up going in the draft. But Alex here, what's your take on the Cowboys? That's interesting. It's true. I mean, if they, if they let Byron Jones walk on the defensive side of the ball, I think they could pull off signing everybody back. But 
I'm kind of on the other side of the coin as you. I, th- I think they make sure they get their quarterback. I think they signed Dak Prescott, and I think they give him really strong money. I think he's going to be the highest-paid quarterback in the NFL. And once they do that, I don't think they're going to bring Amari Cooper back. I don't. I think uh, I think Amari Cooper wow. is going to find his way to free agency. Um, and maybe he hits the open market, and the Cowboys do find a way to make it work at that point. But I think he does hit the open market. I personally think he plays somewhere else next season. Um, and – to that Hot point, takes. I think if Cooper, I think if Cooper does leave, the Cowboys could sign Des Bryant. I think they could sign no. Des Bryant and Randall Cobb. It all makes too much sense that have Gallup on one side of the ball, an emerging young talent who could easily take steps forward to be a strong wide receiver one in the NFL. Oh yeah, you've got Des Bryant who's been in that uniform before, and we all know what he can do. He's the same age as AJ Green, and we talk. And it's same not age like, as Julio Jones. Yeah, and it's not like A.J. Green and Julio Jones haven't had incredible injuries. I mean, A.J. Green clearly more than Julio Jones, but Julio always seems to be a little banged up. A.J. Green didn't play last season and missed half the season the year before, and we're talking about A.J. Green like he's the you know the top free agent on the market. <laughs> Des Bryant was neck and neck with him for you know the first eight years of their career, seven years of their career. So for me, it's like I don't know why people – I know he's been out of the league for two years, but – A.J. Green's pretty much been out of the league for two years, and I think he can still play. I don't think he's going to need to be the number one, but you think about him down near the red zone. You think about him as a number two or a number three, just a big body possession type guy. That could make a lot of sense for them. He's not going to cost them a lot of money. Uh, And if they do that, I think it makes sense to bring back Randall Cobb as well. You got Mike McCarthy there now. I was shocked to learn that Randall Cobb's only 29 years old. I think of Randall Cobb like he's 34, (laughs) like he's older than Emmanuel Sanders, and he's not even 30 yet, so... Randall Cobb's got juice left in the tank. Mike McCarthy has used him incredibly well in the past as a number two, number three type wide receiver, that slot um, position. So I think it could make sense for the Cowboys to to let Cooper go, try to use that money and sure up some other some other spots on their depth chart and, and use the strategy of Des Bryant and Randall Cobb along with Michael Gallup at wide receiver. I know there's some hot takes there, but to yeah. me, like I would reinvest that money um, on their defense and with some depth rather than bring back Amari. Man, that you had a lot of hot takes baked into that one. I, I love it. That, that's why we <laughs> come on the show. One. You, re, I, I feel like maybe people need to go back and rewatch Dallas. And I've, I've seen some of the same takes out there. So I'm not talking specifically about, uh, you know, your your take right there. But in general, do you all remember the Dak versus Dez? Like those guys could not get on the same page. That's really what the problem was. Now I do think Dez would fit for that offense, um, but. I love the Cooper, Gallup, and Cobb core. I think that's a great receiving core. And, you know, if, if Cooper and Cobb were not free agents, we would have them in that first tier. There would be no question this is a stalwart receiving core. Um, we'll see what, what Fat Mike can do for him. Uh, Dak is coming off his best year passing-wise uh, in terms of volume and yardage and, you know, his least in terms of rushing, which he's kind of always been known for prior to 2019. So, uh, I think there's a lot to look for there. Whatever happens, it could be very interesting for fantasy and for the Cowboys' uh, playoff hopes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you're spot on there. And, Steph, let's, let's go ahead and transition to the Cowboys' division rival, the Eagles. They've It seemed like last year they were loaded with weapons, with Zach Ertz, <laughs> Dallas Goddard, Alshon Jeffrey, Deshaun Jackson, Nelson Aguilar. You know, there's a lot of hype around J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. Now we're looking at the Eagles like, man, they need weapons. We all saw what happened to them at the end of last season. Their top two receivers this year were tight ends, um, and they were just hurting on the offensive side of the ball. Carson Wentz absolutely was putting the team on his back. So, Steph, you know, they've got Alshon Jeffrey right now, who's got a lot of trade rumors around him. He actually has close to a $16 million cap hit. Uh, for 2020 they got Deshaun Jackson who missed most of the season Nelson Aguilar who's a free agent now and then J.J. Arcega-Whiteside and Greg Ward who actually stepped in pretty well there towards the end of last season Uh, they have 43 million dollars in cap space and they have uh, a first round pick a second round pick and a third round pick towards the the back middle of uh, each of those rounds so Steph tell me what do you think the Eagles do what's their best plan of attack going into the offseason if I'm them I'm, I'm I'm trading Alshon and it seems like Alshon doesn't want to be there anymore either um, just based on the trade rumors that we've heard so far. I love a guy like Henry Ruggs. Uh, if, if Deshaun Jackson leaves, retires, gets cut, I don't know what his situation is. I need to dig into that a little bit more. I know Nelson Aguilar uh, is a free agent. I'm not sure if they resign him. Um, there's a lot of interesting turnover that could happen. 
in the Eagles wide receiving core. I like a Henry. Uh, I said the Henry Ruggs pick. I also like a CD Lamb pick. Maybe if they get him at the 21st overall pick, maybe he falls a little bit in that first round. I think he could be a great pickup for them. They need one of these big guys. I don't know if, you know, at 19th uh, on that leaderboard in cap space, there's 43 million and they need to re-sign some guys as well. I don't know if they have the the ability to go get a big name. Maybe they get more of a you know low key name like Alan Lazard, you know a guy like that who could come in maybe fill in um, for Jeffrey and just in terms of you know the physique and the fit in the scheme. I'm not uh, not comping those two, but yeah, this one's pretty puzzling to me. I I don't see a clear direction that they could take. <laughs> yeah, it's tricky. There's so many moving parts, and we saw those moving parts last season with each week it seemed like you know you jumble up the group and pick three of them out of a hat and that's who's out on the field so um, you know 43 million dollars of cap space we talked about Alshon Jeffrey's cap hit if they're able to find a trade suitor for Alshon and clear that you know I think it's 16 million dollars off of their books they're I mean they're in play for another one of these top receivers they they shed Alshon and they're in play for Amari Cooper. They're in play for guys like A.J. Green. And interestingly enough, they've been linked to Amari Cooper in a lot of the press that I've read. Um, a lot of people think if Amari leaves Dallas, he's going to want to go play with another good, young, mobile quarterback. When you think about it, Carson Wentz and Dak Prescott have very similar skill sets. He's going to be the clear-cut number one there. Um, they're always a contender, and you know they might pay him the money that he wants um, that, that the Cowboys might not be able to do. So that's really interesting, but I love what you said about the draft. Uh, I love those names you threw out. Like, I think if C.D. Lamb falls to them, that would be – you know, an absolute steal for Philadelphia. But I think they might address it in two ways. I think uh, similar to the Colts, they might kind of overkill it at the receiver spot. They might see what happened last season and be like, we do not want this happening again. Um, But one last name I want to throw out for Philly that I think is actually a really good fit is Robbie Anderson. And again, he's kind of similar to the role that Deshaun Jackson holds, but I don't really know what Deshaun Jackson's situation is. He was hurt most of last season. It feels like he's going to be back, but I don't know if they really trust that at this point, or maybe they want a younger guy to go alongside him, get both of the burners on the outsides. But Robbie Anderson, to me, makes a lot of sense. You get him on the outside. You got Ertz and Goddard underneath. That could be a really, really good core there uh, and really open up some things for um, the passing game at, at multiple levels. It could open up things for Miles Sanders on the ground. So I'd keep an eye on Robbie Anderson. I think I'd like to see him stay in green, but this time in Eagles green. Deshaun Jackson is 33 years old, coming off a, I believe, like a, a abdominal injury, which something like that, you know, part of your core, that affects all facets of your game. In his prime, Djax was running four three forties. Uh, I don't know if he's still at that level, and that's that's his main utility. So I could see them, you know, easily stepping away from him. We might have all uh, brand new names, at least at the one and two wide receiver spot for the Eagles. Let's go ahead and move on here to the Packers. This is another one where, hey, we got our stalwart one. Now we need to fill in that two spot. So we have, of course, Devontae Adams there. And then from there, we have uh, Geronimo Allison, who's a free agent. Not sure if they're going to resign him. We have Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who's still there. We have uh, Alan Lazard that we just mentioned. He's a free agent. I think another team would be interested enough to sign him. Uh, they have the 25th most cap space, so not a ton to work with, only $20 million. A lot of people saying A.J. Green uh, would be a good fit in that offense. I tend to agree, put him on the other side of Adams, and, and you know that's a lot of weapons for Rodgers to work with. They also have a first, second, and third round pick all at the 30th spot, so very late. There's some interesting draft names here, but Alex, what's your take on the Packers? Yeah, I mean, we've all heard the A.J. Green takes. Just given the $21 million of cap space and the, the minimal draft capital, I mean, it's the 30th pick in, in each round. That's that's just not a lot to be able to go out and bring in a guy like A.J. Green. Like, If they want to go sign A.J. Green, they're going to have to pretty much blow all of their cap and they're going to be really constricted elsewhere. So maybe they get creative and clear some cap space and find a way to go get A.J. Green. That would obviously be incredible to see Aaron Rodgers have, you know, Devontae Adams on one side and A.J. on the other. But um, I, I actually think they, they go out and sign one of the lesser um, the lesser expensive free agents. They've tried the young guys over the past couple of years at the wide receiver two spot, like Geronimo Allison didn't really work out. MVS didn't really work out. So I don't necessarily think they want to go to the draft for a receiver at this point because, what, at the 130 spot, I don't think they take a receiver. And if you're waiting until 230 or 330, like, 
there's some talent there. We saw Terry McLaurin and Debo Samuel break out uh, after being second and third round picks in their rookie season this past year, but like they can't really count on that, and it's burned them over the past few seasons. So I actually really think they like Alan Lazard um, a lot, and I don't think they want him to be their wide receiver two, but I think there's a good chance they bring him back on a small deal to be their wide receiver three. And I think they could go out and get a guy we, we talked about a little earlier, Emmanuel Sanders, to me, makes a lot of sense. He's not going to cost you what A.J. Green's going to cost you. But you think about his play style opposite of Devontae Adams, and it could really make a lot of sense. He's a great route runner. He's quick. Um, he can run a lot of underneath stuff. So he's a veteran. He's a leader as well. So maybe, you know, they pick a guy uh, in round two or round three in the draft and pair him with Emmanuel Sanders. Maybe they sign Emmanuel Sanders and sign Alan Lazard and have him kind of try to mentor and coach up, uh, have Sanders coach up Lazard over the next couple years. But that's something that makes sense to me. Obviously, if Randall Cobb hits the open market, there's always going to be a connection there with Green Bay. And then another guy we haven't really talked about is Philip Dorsett. He showed some flashes with New England these past um, couple seasons and he was a number one pick just a few years ago so maybe they you know roll the dice on a guy like Philip Dorsett and um, see what he can do but I think they, maybe they they bring in a couple of these guys maybe they sign Lazard and Dorsett uh, maybe they pair Lazard with a more established guy like Emmanuel Sanders but I think it's going to kind of be a committee approach I don't know that they're going to be able to go get a stud yeah, I love, uh, you know, you named Philip Dorsett. That's a great tier for, I feel like, where they're going to go. Another name that's kind of in that range would be like Taylor Gabriel. He's had some, you know, shown explosiveness at times, shows that he can fit into, you know, some different offenses, um, you know, being on the Falcons and then the Bears. I, I love the idea of them taking the best wide receiver that falls to them late in the first uh, or late in the second if if there's still some decent names out there. So look for a guy like maybe T. Higgins out of Clemson, Justin Jefferson at LSU. Um, I think Justin Jefferson would be a great fit as a wide receiver too. Uh, if the passing volume were to increase, I think it will. And and to your point, you know, Alan Lazard was actually a, a relatively decent fantasy option. It's kind of like a low-end handcuff for Devontae Adams when, <laughs> when he went out for about five weeks. I was plugging him in into some lineups. It was pretty gross. But uh, let's go ahead and move on here. Alex, take it away for the Broncos. <laughs> it's funny. I was looking at this Broncos situation. And I'm just like, how have they gone this far without <laughs> more wide receiver depth on their roster. To me, it baffles me. They got Cortland Sutton as the clear one. He's the future. He's a stud. And you got Deshaun Hamilton, who could be a good slot guy, um, kind of a catch guy, a yards after catch guy. But And then it's Tim Patrick. So you're really thin Ooh. there. You got nothing. Uh, and they got Drew Locke at quarterback. This is a guy who they clearly trust. I mean, he came on strong there at the end of last season. And it's a guy they want to you know, see if he can go out there and get it done. They want to um, take their chances with Drew Locke and, and see what he can do. And they're not really setting him up very fairly if they're rolling him out there with with uh, Tim Patrick split out on 75% of snaps. So for me, they need another wide receiver, especially with that quarterback situation. And and I know they got Noah Fant. And I think, I mean, I we've talked about it before. I think he takes a huge step forward this year. He's a good uh, yards after catch guy yeah. he's really explosive he's got great measurables so Fant will help for sure especially with some underneath stuff um, but they've got to sign somebody there's a lot of names that make sense for Denver for me uh, they got 52 million dollars in cap space so I think they could get a Robbie Anderson I think they could get a, a Brashad Perriman would be really interesting uh, take a chance on a guy like that someone who doesn't have to be the one I think they do trust Sutton to be the one but one of these young guys with some upside to come in and be the two be the field stretcher uh, and then some guys in the draft make sense for me on day two, guys like Justin Jefferson, T. Higgins. I know we just talked about them, but um, it's a deep class, and there's going to be some value at wide receiver later on. So I think they could snag one of those guys uh, and have that young core of a, a young rookie and that's a day two pick that's got a lot of potential. Cortland Sutton on the other side, Noah Fan at tight end, and Drew Locke at quarterback with Philip Lindsay. Uh, and Royce Freeman at running back. That's a really strong nucleus at your skill positions, and I think it makes a lot of sense for them moving forward. For me, it doesn't make sense for them to go get one of these big-name free agents because I don't think they're really contenders right now. Uh, maybe if somehow Amari Cooper wanted to go to Denver, I don't see that happening. Like They could you know, put together some logic to why that would make sense. He's still only 26 years old, but to me, the much more likely situation is to go young, uh, you can go a little cheaper if it's a free agent and try to build that nucleus around Drew Locke. What do you think, Steph? Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I There's some some interesting um, names in terms of the draft. Uh, they're talking about the draft capital. They have the 15th overall pick. They have the 14th pick in the second round. And they have three third-round picks. So they could easily grab a guy on day three and 
One of my guys, if we're looking at, you know, names coming out of college this year is Jalen Ragor. He is being totally stepped on, uh, slept on. Beast. He's out of TCU. He's an absolute machine. Beast. And I, I'm very excited for this guy. I think he'd be a great fit for the Broncos there. He can help as a field stretcher opposite of Cortland Sutton. They'll give, you know, Locke. Locke will have his time to prove it. They're going to put their weapons around him. And, you know, they, yeah, you mentioned Fant. Um, I think he's going to have a huge breakout in 2020. And, you know, that, that, take some of the pressure off whatever rookie that they're going to bring in, give him some time to, to, uh, you know, learn the system and, and mesh with Drew Locke. I love Jalen Regor there. I also love Henry Ruggs. I know it's a guy we keep bringing up, but he's that he's, he could be the next Tyree kill, man. Like I, I'm pretty pumped to watch Ruggs and, and see where he goes. He could be huge for any offense. They could use his skill set. Uh, let's move on to the saints though. <laughs> yeah. The saints are interesting. And, if you look at strictly their receiver depth chart, you got Michael Thomas, who we know counts as like one and a half receivers. And then, <laughs> and then you got Traquan Smith and Ted Ginn. So they're really, really light on any depth beyond Michael Thomas. They got $29 million of cap space. Their draft capital is little to none. They've got the 24th pick in the first round. And they don't pick again till the 24th pick of the third round. So Steph... Do you think the Saints address the wide receiver position in the offseason, or do you think they say, hey, Michael Thomas is enough? It's really tough, man. It's, I mean, if they don't bring anybody in, then I'm trying to buy Alvin Kamara. I'm already trying trying to buy Alvin Kamara low right now, but even more so with that passing work underneath, um, you know, it kind of makes Alvin Kamara the, the wide receiver too at this point. I don't know what happened to Traquan Smith. He was showing promise for like you know four or five games in 2018. I don't know. I, maybe it was injury. Um, maybe I'm missing something there. But Traquan Smith just disappeared, it seemed like. And he was the one that we were looking at. As, oh, maybe this is the next wide receiver, too, in New Orleans. Um, I'll bring his name up again. Henry Ruggs, if they want to grab another guy uh, who can replace Ted Ginn, stretch the field. Uh, if Breeze wants to, to prove the doubters wrong, that he still has uh, you know some, some firepower left in that cannon. I know a lot of people say that you know as he's getting older, he's not able to throw the ball as far. Um, so maybe they don't go after Ruggs with, with that being the case. There's also a chance maybe Breeze retires or leaves. There could be some, some massive turnover there. I tend to think they bring Breeze in for his kind of victory lap, give him one more contract, see if they can, can win a Super Bowl before he's gone. Um, with Michael Thomas there, maybe they really don't need a wide receiver too. Um, maybe they take somebody in the third round. There's not a ton of ways that they could go. They're, they're kind of in a tight position there, just being one of the, the lowest in the league in terms of cap. Yeah, it's really tricky. They're, they're in a precarious situation because they don't have a lot of options. So when you think about this Saints team, you got Michael Thomas, who he really does count for more than just a wide receiver one because if they're throwing the ball to him that many times, like – you don't need a wide receiver, too, that's going to get you 120 targets in a season. Um, so you got Michael Thomas, who's already commanding more volume than anyone else in the league. You've got Jared Cook at the tight end position, who's a receiving tight end. We all know Drew Brees loves to use the tight end. We saw him back in the Jimmy Graham days. Um, so, you know, Jared Cook is a factor on that offense. And then, like you said, Alvin Kamara. He's basically half running back, half slot receiver. So you're getting – he's had, I think, 81 receptions. Actually, yeah, it is 81 receptions for each of his first three seasons. Um, so he's a lock Dang. to get, I guess, 81 receptions in 2020. <laughs> so you think about that. He's like a slot receiver. So you got this dominant ball-commanding number one, a pass-catching tight end, um, a running back who catches 80 passes a year, and then these other – you know, small pieces don't really need to be as involved. I do think it's going to benefit them to bring someone else in. I think they kick the tires on, you know, a Demarcus Robinson, a Nelson Aguilar, a Philip Dorsett type guy to kind of upgrade that number two spot without having to spend up too much with their limited cap space. Um, but I, I don't think they go do anything crazy. I think they like what they've got and maybe they just look for a small upgrade um, at the two spot to open it up for the other guys. Yeah, I feel like they're you know, one or two explosive playmakers away from, from being at that, that Super Bowl game that this is kind of escaped them the last couple of years here. Um, there's a lot of interesting names in the draft. Brandon Ayuk, uh, Michael Pittman, um, LaVisca Chenault. So the list goes on mm -hmm. and on with, with guys they could look to in the draft. Uh, we'll see how that plays out. Taylor Gabriel is another one I'll throw out for them. Let's move over to the 49ers here, the Super Bowl runner-up 49ers. Obviously, they have Debo Samuel there. He has been, like, the guy for them uh, in that wide receiver core. Had an absolute breakout season. Can't wait to see what he can do in 2020. 
We mentioned Emmanuel Sanders time and time again, 33 years old. I actually think they signed him. I think he showed a, a re-sign him. He showed a lot of promise in that offense. They don't have a ton of passing volume uh, with the Shanahan scheme that they like to run. Uh, Kendrick Bourne is a free agent. He was kind of their, their wide receiver three. Um, we saw him get some looks uh, you know, in the playoff stretch. And they have a bunch of, of names that are kind of falling off in terms of Marquise Goodwin, Dante Pettis. Uh, in terms of cap space, they don't have much to work with. They only have 12 million. That puts them at 28th. And they have one draft pick, which is the 31st pick in the first round. So not a ton for them to work with, that's, which makes me think, hey, let's just re-sign Sanders um, and then go from there, maybe get a, a you know smaller free agent. Maybe we re-sign Kendrick Bourne, just kind of keep that same core that got us to the Super Bowl. Uh, but what are your thoughts on that? I mean, it's hard. There's really no other option than to agree with you. I think they try yeah. to bring Sanders back. We talked about it earlier with the Colts. Like, it's so hard to keep the status quo in the NFL and stay competitive year over year. So, realistically, like, if they're able to bring Emmanuel Sanders back, they're pretty much going to have the same roster. Maybe they try to make a little upgrade here, a little upgrade there. But of all the teams we've talked about, they have the least flexibility. So, if Sanders does walk or they're not able to re-sign him, maybe they don't want to pay him um because they want to use that money elsewhere like they could go for a guy like a randall cobb like a veteran who can come in and be effective a similar role to what sanders had uh, maybe a younger guy like a nelson Aguilar. i know he's not quite as proven and consistent at this point in his career but yeah it's interesting that the 49ers are in such a bind cap wise i think they they probably go after sanders and try to run it back but you look at jimmy g eating up 26 million um, of that cap and then on the d line d ford's got a 16 million dollar cap hit uh deforest buckner is at 14 million richard sherman at you know in the secondary is at 14 million solomon thomas is at 9 million so you just look at that defensive front and their contracts are absolutely eating up their cap space um jarek mckinnon is still on the books for you know eight and a half million dollars so that certainly doesn't help so it's gonna maybe they get creative. I think uh, they can certainly find some ways to to get some more cap and, and maybe make some things work. But but yeah, I, it just makes sense for them to try to run it back in twenty twenty. So the last team here, the Arizona Cardinals. We have Christian Kirk, a guy who had, I would say, a breakout, maybe a mini breakout, a kind of a quiet breakout in twenty twenty. And then their next option is a thirty six year old Larry Fitzgerald. I actually don't think he's officially re-signed with them. Uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong there, but they have $52 million in cap space, which puts them at 14th. They also have the eighth overall pick, an early second round at the 208, and then an early third round pick at the 308. Uh, this is another one for me where, like, you know, can we get Henry Ruggs into that offense with Kyler? Though being at the eighth spot, I think they can wait a little bit if they want to take Ruggs as a you know guy who can stretch the field in the air raid offense that Kingsbury is running over there at head coach. Um, could also go with the Jerry Judy or a CD Lamb as well to go opposite of Christian Kirk and you know really give Kyler all the weapons that he's going to need, young weapons that he can grow with. Um, Alex, what do you think they do? Uh, what do you do if you're the Cardinals? Yeah, they have signed back Fitzgerald uh, okay. to address that point. That he's back um, for $11.5 million, close to that in 2020. So I think he's really – I mean, he's a Cardinal for life. He's going to be more of a transition guy. They've got a young team, a young head coach. I think they're very likely to bring in another receiver and have Fitzgerald kind of mentor that um, receiver room and, and Kyler Murray a bit to, to set them up for the future. So if I'm the Cardinals, I think – I'm probably not drafting another guy. They drafted three wide receivers last year. Andy Isabella in the second, Akeem Butler in the fourth, Keyshawn Johnson in the sixth. So for me, like, am I really going to go out and use one of my you know, top picks on a receiver again? I, I wouldn't, but I think Cliff Kingsbury will. Um, <laughs> I, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see him go out and get a receiver at, at eight overall. I mean, Cliff Kingsbury, he's an offensive guy. We all know it. Their defense was – it was awful last season, so they should address the defense. But if they go out at eight and they get Jerry Judy or or Henry Ruggs or C.D. Lamb or one of these guys, like it wouldn't really shock me one bit. Maybe they wait and, and take a guy later. But um, it, you know, if I'm running the Cardinals, I'm probably picking up a free agent. Uh, they they do need to re-sign Kenyon Drake on the offensive side of the ball, but we all know David Johnson's got a huge cap hit, and he could get cut which might not clear up more space for this season or maybe he's traded and, and they are able to shed some of that cap so maybe they're able to free up some space and go out and get another receiver that's going to help 
uh, build with this nucleus with Kyler Murray and um, with Christian Kirk and have Larry Fitzgerald teaching them. So, you know, I think they could be players for some of the top name free agents. I don't think AJ Green makes a ton of sense. You know, they obviously would take Amari Cooper if they had the chance. I don't think there's a way he goes there, but you know, a guy like Robbie Anderson can make some sense. Maybe a Brashad Perriman, a guy who's still pretty young and had uh, first-round draft capital coming into the league, uh, could make some sense. So I think they could go out and sign a free agent, but they will address the position. I just don't know that they're going to move forward with the guys they got. It seems like they have four or five yeah. mediocre receivers, and four or five mediocre receivers doesn't make one good receiver. So um, <laughs> I think they do need to address the position. Maybe they wait one more season and see if someone else breaks out, but it's it's unlikely at this point. So there's a ton of options with the Cardinals. If I'm them, I'm not drafting someone, but personally I think they will. Yeah, you know, uh, Kingsbury wasn't hesitant to move on from Josh Rosen and exactly. kind of just do a hard reset on that Cardinals roster. I feel like you could do the same at the wide receiver position. They're they're moving on from Demir Bird, who was um, you know kind of their field stretcher that was in there, uh, but didn't really show too much for them. Um, you know, any field stretcher they can get their hands on, maybe Jalen Regor, maybe Henry Ruggs, that they can 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 get. Um, yeah, I think would would help, and I'm very interested to see this Cardinals offense. I think we saw a lot of promise from Kyler Murray. I can't wait to see what they can do there, and you know, bringing the air raid to the NFL. It's a very entertaining system just as a spectator. But let's talk about a name in terms of trades. There's two big names that have trade rumors associated to them, and the first one is very interesting. Uh, with Stefan Diggs and it feels like we talk about this guy every single offseason at this point maybe it's uh you know just tradition at this point to bring him up as a guy who wants a trade they're paying uh, the Vikings are paying Stefan Diggs a ton of money and they're really not giving him the volume for what they're paying him so if I'm the Vikings I'm like well I have Adam Thielen there maybe they move away from Adam Thielen and make Diggs the one uh, but that doesn't seem to be the case as it stands what are some good landing spots for Stefan Diggs well, we've we've certainly talked about plenty of teams today that could use a wide receiver. For me, the one that immediately, or the two, I guess, that immediately popped in my mind are the Indianapolis Colts and the Oakland Raiders. They're the two teams that I think are the most uh, wide receiver desperate at this point. Um, I mean, the Colts would make sense because I think he's a perfect complement to T.Y. Hilton. The thing that concerns me about that is another 1A, 1B type situation in an offense that, at least over this past year, wasn't super, super heavy from passing from a passing volume standpoint. So maybe you run into some issues there, but I think the Colts will be willing to air it out and will be willing to, to give Stephon Diggs the rock. Uh, but the one that, that I think is kind of the 1A if he's going to get traded is the Oakland Raiders. They've got draft capital. They've got cap space. They've got a huge need at wide receiver. Uh, you know, so Antonio Brown was quite a diva there. I don't think Stephon Diggs is going to be quite on that level or ever anything close. So maybe they're like, hey, you know, we've dealt with it before. We're, we're you know, ready to go with a guy that has the talent of Stephon Diggs that can come in, um, win on all three levels, burn guys deep, win underneath, be a possession guy, run crispy routes, be Derek Carr's best friend. Um, and make a lot of money. So, I, you know, yeah. I think the Raiders would be awesome. That would surely bring some excitement to Vegas in year one um, with the relocation and things like that. So, so to me, I'd love to see it. It would be awesome to see Stephon Diggs uh, in that silver and black, and I think he would certainly take a step up from a statistics standpoint, from a fantasy football standpoint. He'd become a lot more interesting on that offense. Steph, you got any landing spots in mind, or do you think the Colts or the Raiders would be kind of the 1A, 1B? I definitely like those. One I'll throw out there, just this is a homer pick because I would love to see it. I don't know contract-wise. You know, Stephon Diggs is is on a pretty big contract. He's on a five-year, $72 million deal uh, that he signed back in 2018. Uh, he's getting paid about $14.5 million a year. But one of the teams that I think could afford him and could, could make a ton of sense for them would be the New England Patriots. I know everybody hates to hear that, but I actually love Stephon Diggs. Uh, coming in as the wide receiver one you know we saw Belichick bring in Antonio Brown I feel like they're still looking for that you know key guy uh, we know when Belichick dials in on one of these top 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 wide receivers he goes all in and tries to get him um, it seems like Belichick always gets his way so if Stephon Diggs is one that's caught his eye I love that as a landing spot for him uh, come in and be explosive for Brady uh, could be a leader for that wide receiver court with Nikhil Harry um, Jacoby Myers there are some younger guys that he could mentor as well I believe 
uh, Diggs is 26 or 27 years old at this point. So, um, you know, he had, he's on his big contract, so that, that could be a good spot. Um, now let's talk about Alshon Jeffrey. I know we mentioned him a couple different times as we went through some of the needy teams, but one of the ones we didn't talk about um, too, too much was the Buffalo Bills. Uh, maybe they should have been in that bottom two here. I know some folks out there are going to disagree. By all means, let us know in the comments. But I love Alshon Jeffrey as a fit on that Bills wide receiver core. Uh, him across from John Brown, I think would be a fantastic core for John Brown. Or I'm sorry, for uh, <laughs> Josh Allen. Um, and, you know, they need help at times when they get down uh, on the goal line. They need help in the red zone. They can't just keep giving it to Frank Gore on the one and expect things to work out. Uh, so, you know, yes, maybe they go and bring in a, a big running back to help in that department. But I also think Alshon Jeffrey could be help uh, helpful to them, especially on third down to help out Josh Allen. Just give him a big target. He can throw it up to, you know, corner out uh, back of the end zone and, and score for them. I think that'd be a pretty interesting one. I think the Bills feel like they're contenders right now. Wow, I love that take. I know we kind of touched on the Bills briefly earlier, but but that's a perfect fit for them. You know, if they go out and get Alshon Jeffrey, I think they're immediately a contender. He's exactly what they need. They say the tight end is the quarterback's best friend, especially an inaccurate quarterback. Not pointing <laughs> any fingers at Josh Allen or anything. He did improve a lot in year two. I'll give him that. But, you know, Alshon Jeffrey's about the closest thing you can get to a tight end at the wide receiver position. Big body, red zone threat. Um a true number one and he would really open up things for john brown cole beasley would still be running underneath you got devin singletary yeah. at running back josh allen that would be a really scary team i love that pick and you know i'd love to see it happen they got the cap space to make it happen so um we'll keep an eye out on that one for sure i, I think you know the eagles could probably get a pretty good haul uh, maybe maybe it's more of a cap dump i don't really know what the evaluation would be because they are going to be taking on alshon's contract but the bills certainly have the assets to make it happen so i think that's you know, a great fit and honestly a likely pick if the Eagles do try to move on. Yeah, Bills are third overall in cap space at 83 million. I don't know if they have a ton of guys that they need to re-sign. So uh, could be very, very likely. Um, they also have, uh, in terms of draft capital, I'm not sure I can spot check on the Bills here. Maybe they go with a wide receiver, but I think they seem like a team that's like, hey, we're, we're getting close to win now mode. We're a few pieces away from getting over the hump. Maybe Josh Allen is one of those pieces that they need to, to work through. That's a whole different episode that we could, could record here, Alex. <laughs> Um, but yeah. any other names that you want to bring up, whether it's guys with trade rumors, maybe some you know hot takes in terms of the draft or free agents, um, anything else that you want to mention in terms of wide receivers? Yeah, one last thing that I didn't get a chance to mention earlier when we were talking about the Bengals and A.J. Green. Here's a scenario that I think would be really, really interesting to see. If the Bengals go out and take Joe Burrow number one overall, they let A.J. Green walk. He's a bit older. They're rebuilding. So then look at their team. They've got Joe Burrow at quarterback, Zach Taylor as a young head coach. you got Tyler Boyd and John Ross, two young receivers who have shown some upside um, on the outside, and then Joe Mixon at running back. A name that might make a lot of sense to kind of help fill in for A.J. Green if he walks is Justin Jefferson in round two or round three. Um, college teammates with Joe Burrow. He was his number one target at LSU. How cool would that be to see Joe Burrow get his number one target and see if it translates into the NFL? You know, you got John Ross, Tyler Boyd, and Justin Jefferson. That's a pretty good young nucleus, and we could see if the Bengals could kind of build and develop around that and make some noise. So that's something to keep an eye on, and I know I Joe it. Burrow. You know, there's all the rumors about him not wanting to play for the Bengals. Maybe he meets with them, you know, at the combine or leading up to the draft, and behind closed doors told him, hey, if you pick me at number one, like, you got to get my boy – uh, Justin Jefferson later on so um, probably not but would be interesting and fun to see for sure I, I love that I, I hope it happens uh, just so we can you know take this clip and then post it later and, and take a bunch of credit for calling it <laughs> but no I, I love that actually you know I, I love that you know premise where it's you know, a quarterback and a wide receiver who have great chemistry were able to carry it from college into the pros. That's something that we see from time to time. I always, always think it's it's pretty fun to watch as a spectator. See, man, these guys are still at it um, and continuing to develop that chemistry. You see plays that uh, you're not going to see anywhere else when there's that kind of relationship between a, a receiver and a quarterback. Uh, but guys, I think that sums up our episode here. It was a heck of a run. Uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter, on Instagram. Again, we're putting out so much content on there, just pumping the algorithms. 
with everything from player <laughs> highlights to you know different polls um, whether it's it's dynasty moves whether it's free agent landing spots and then on our website check that out doublemovesports.com we have all of our content wrapped up in one place you can also see our way too early 2020 rankings there as well but thank you all so much for watching and we'll see you next time